So, hope. I want to talk about hope this morning. Hope is a very important commodity, yes? But I think it's a rare commodity. You know, we talk about rare commodities. But uh, I, I was talking to some people, and I asked the question, do you have any hope in your life? And the answer was, I hope so. <laughs> you know? And so uh, I thought that was kind of funny. But, but the truth of the matter is, there is a lot of confusion. There is a lot of uncertainty about hope, what hope is. Do you have, do you have hope, and what is hope, is, is the question. Uh, I looked up in a, a dictionary. Uh, uh, it says, the hope is the feeling that what is wanted can be had, or that events will turn out for the best. That's kind of what, what I determine wishful thinking. That's the kind of hope when we talk about hope in the world and, and from a, a purely human standpoint. It's, it's kind of wishful thinking. But someone in, in another place, uh, um, Bible.org, said this, the modern idea of hope is to wish for, to expect, but without certainty of the fulfillment, to desire very much, but with no real assurance of getting your desire. It's just kind of like vague. Oh, I hope. I hope so, but that's really not what the, the Bible is talking to, which I'll get into in a minute. But if you notice the, the Rhode Island flag behind me, the, the motto for Rhode Island is what? Is hope. And uh, I kind of did a little research about that. Anthony mentioned about Israel, and I found that I just found that out this last Thursday that the national anthem was Hatikva, which means the hope, and the song Yesh Tikva means there is hope. And I did not know that. I heard that song so many times, and I'm singing along, and I knew it was about hope, but I didn't know it was the national. Not that song would be, that'd be good if that song was the national anthem, right? But the, the name of the national anthem was Hatikva. But let me read to you some of the words, and, and they're, you know, depending on who translates the, uh, the Hebrew, uh, but this one translation says, as long as deep as long as deep in the heart the soul of a Jew yearns, and forward to the east to Zion and I looks, our hope will not be lost, the hope of 2,000 years, to be a free nation in our land, the land of Zion and Jerusalem. And this was written like in the 1800s before Jew, you know, the, the people wherever the nation was ever reestablished in 1948, written by a guy named uh, Naftali Imber. Uh, who moved to uh, the land of uh, Palestine, as it was called at that time, in 1882. Um, but let me just read. This is kind of interesting. It says, Hatikva expresses the hope of the Jewish people that they, as we heard already, that they would someday return to the land of their forefathers as prophesied in the Hebrew Bible. The, the Jewish people were exiled from Israel in 70 A.D. by the Roman army. The, the, uh, they sacked the city of Jerusalem, destroyed it. They destroyed the temple. And during the 2,000 years of exile, the Jewish people said special daily prayers for return to Israel while facing the east in the direction of Jerusalem. So very, very important. And I just, I just uh, you know, we, we kind of have this real connection with Israel here in our church. And, and, and uh, I was thinking about that, you know, that their national anthems, the hope, and our motto is hope. But... If you went and talked to a Rhode Islander about, you know, the motto of hope, 
do you think that the true hope would be the first thing that they would say to you? I, I don't think so. It's like, well, it's just hope, man. It's hope, whatever. It's hope. Whatever hope is. I hope that I, you know, keep my job. I hope that I can pay the rent. I hope that I can, you know, find a husband or find a wife. I hope that I can, you know, all these different things. But, but, but really, when you look back, I did a little research as I was beginning to say, and, and it's, it's hard to pin it down for sure, but I read this um, from RhodeIsland.gov. Um, that the, uh, the Rhode Island General Assembly first adopted a seal for the colony containing an anchor with the word hope above it on May 4th, 1664. So that's a long time ago, right? And it says this, and this is found on RhodeIsland.gov. The most coherent explanation as to the use of hope comes from the historical notes of Howard M. Chapin published in Illustrations of the Seals, Arms, and Flags of Rhode Island printed by the Rhode Island Historical Society in 1930. And he wrote that the words and the emblems on the seal were probably inspired by the biblical phrase, hope we have as an anchor for the soul. Contained in Hebrews chapter 6, which we're going to turn there in a minute. Hope we have as an anchor for the soul. So, probably... Is it coincidental, though? You got an anchor, you got the word hope? No. Uh, you know, modern people just write that off and say, nah, no, but, but, but back then, I read this, too, about uh, uh, in a different website at the, at the Rhode Island State House. I didn't go and check this out personally, but in the middle of the rotunda, maybe some of you can confirm this, in the center of the floor, it says, is a brass replica of the state seal embedded into the marble floor, and at the center of the, is the anchor, which symbolizes hope and reminds us of the importance of water in the ocean state. And above the anchor is the word hope, drawn from the words of Roger Williams to the early settlers, quote, hope in the divine, unquote. That's interesting. Roger Williams was, I don't know a lot about him, but he was a minister Some trivia about Rhode Island, though. This is, this is just, this is, I throw this in. This is free. Uh, Rhode Island, this tiny state, you know, I didn't even really know where Rhode Island really was before I came to New England, to be honest with you. And a lot of people, they say Rhode Island, they say, oh, yeah, that's like, that's New York, right? Or that's, you know, this or that. But, but Rhode Island, 1,212 square miles of which land comprises 1,055 square miles. And the state extends, and keep this in mind, 37 miles east to west and 48 miles north to south. 37 by 48. That's, that's free. But we're talking about hope. The Bible, on the other hand, compared to the national anthem of Israel and the motto of the state of Rhode Island, which we, and I believe that it should signify, the Bible talks about hope being expectation. And you look at the words and the translations of the words, it talks about confident expectation. Now, obviously, to me, confident expectation is not to be found in the things of this world. Right? They're not to be found in the house that you want to buy or that you buy because, you know, look around and you see the places 
is falling apart. They break down. They, they just disintegrate if you don't put energy into it. So long-term confident expectation are not found, is not found in the things of this world. You buy a car and like, even if it's brand new, it's still got issues. It breaks down. Bible.org, again, it says in Scripture, according to the Hebrew and Greek words translated by the word hope, and according to the biblical usage, hope is an indication of certainty. Hope in Scripture means a strong and confident expectation. This is what the Bible talks about when it says that we have hope as an anchor for the soul. It's not found in the stuff. It's found in the Almighty God. Like that quote, if it's accurate, from Roger Williams, hope in the divine, hope in God. Over 160 times the word hope is found in the Bible. Let's turn to, to, uh, to that passage, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. These are, this is a phenomenal verses about hope. Confident expectation in the Almighty and in God Himself. We have a festival of hope. We have a festival of hope because we want to turn people to the Almighty God, to Jesus Christ. But look in verse 18. It says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. And we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. You notice some of the, some of the language in that verse. It's, it says, we who have fled to take hold of the hope that's offered to us. First of all, he, th- this hope is offered to us, to, the, to you and I, to every man, woman, and child, that there's hope found that's offered to us it, it, through, through the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the, the love of God to the human race, that he's offering it to us and, and for you and I to flee to that hope. I was thinking about that, you know, to, it says we have fled to it. Well, what have we fled from? We fled from a lot of different things, right? What have you fled from? And there are times when, when, you know, you need to flee from some of the stuff. The Bible talks about fleeing youthful lust, fleeing the things of this world. You need to run as fast as you can away from those things and flee to the hope that's offered to you and to me. It's not just something, well, I'll think about that. It's not just kind of a laissez-faire kind of like, well, that's sort of a good thing. But No, we're talking about... Uh, We're talking about with our our whole heart, mind, soul, body, strength, where we go to the hope that's offered to us in Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about. I heard that phrase before somewhere. He says that we have fled. We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us, we might be greatly encouraged. This anchor You know, we have this hope and it's ours, but many, many in this world do not have that kind of hope. They have have maybe a kind of a wishful thinking like I, I mentioned earlier. 
hopeless lives, hopeless hearts. And, and you look around, and I'm telling you what, America, the land of the free and the brave, America, the land of plenty, there is a plenty of hopelessness in our country. We have the most stuff of any country in the whole world, pretty much, right? But we have really the most hopelessness, I think, I believe. Hopelessness. Hopelessness leads to depression. You know, the numbers of depression, the numbers of, of medication, the numbers of suicide, the numbers of, of, of just this, this, this feeling. It's just massive. It's huge in our country. Henry David Thoreau, the great writer in uh, he wrote a book called Walden, and I, and, I, and I haven't read the book, but I looked up this quote because I've, I've heard this quote, but um, he says this, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. And what is called resignation is confirmed desperation. Did you hear that? The mass of men leads, lead lives of quiet desperation. That's, that's kind of what it is, this quiet desperation because of a lack of hope. A lack of true hope. True hope. Job, you know, he was a guy who went through a, a, a whole lot of stuff, did he not? He said, my days are swifter than a, a weaver's shuttle, and they come to an end without hope. He was, he was locked in this, this hopelessness of his situation. In the book of Ephesians, talks about people who are separate from Christ, and he said... Paul says there in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, he says that they are without hope and without God in the world. Without hope and without God in the world. You see, you put those two together, you have God, you have hope. Without God, we are without hope. We look for hope in so many different places and all those things I mentioned in, our, in, in people, in our jobs, in our government in money, and security, and, and retirement, and we are just bound to be disappointed if we try to put our hope there. Someone said this, and I, and I love this quote, life with Christ is an endless hope, without Him a hopeless end. Life with Christ is an endless hope. Someone else said, no life is hopeless unless Christ is ruled out. Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.1 that that Christ Jesus is our hope. I want you to think about the hope in your life. Maybe you don't have any. Maybe you do. But where is it found? Paul said in Colossians 1.27, he said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. I like what the psalm writer says in Psalm 62. He said, find rest, O my soul, in God alone, my hope comes from Him. My hope comes from Him. I don't care. There's a lot of things in this world that offer a lot, but you know what? There's only one that delivers, and that's the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, our hope. Paul prays in Rome, uh, Rome, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're running short of time, so I'm not going to have you look for some of these passages. I'll just quote them to you. Paul is an incredible prayer. 
in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I keep asking that the Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Number one, he says also, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance of the saints. The first two requests in that prayer, number one, that you would know him better, that you would know him better and better. Number two, that you would know the hope to which he's called you, this glorious inheritance in the saints. Do you have any hope in your life? Do you know that hope in Paul's prayers that you and I would know that hope better? We would know him better and we would know that hope and understand it. They go together. Romans 15, let's turn there. A couple of passages that will begin to tie things up here. Keep your uh, finger in, in, in Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to finish with that. But Romans chapter 15, Romans chapter 15, and then we'll go back to uh, finish it. Hebrews chapter 6 again. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, first of all. Excuse me, verse 4. He says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. There's a huge thing about knowing what God's word says to, to keep our eyes on the hope, to help us understand the hope. Knowing what God's word says, these things that were written in the past, they were written to teach us so that we might have hope, so that we might understand. That's why we teach the Bible. That's why we read the Bible. We always want to go back to God's Word. We don't just tell stories. We, we get into God's Word so that you might have hope. But then jump down to verse 13. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow or abound with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we get this hope? Number one, we get into God's Word. We, we read it. We study it. We understand it. We listen to it. But here he says in verse 13, we also receive it from God Himself. The God of hope fills us with His hope. God himself by his spirit. So maybe you don't have any hope today. You need to ask him. You need to say, God, I, I really don't have a lot of hope. I, 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 I don't even have the worldly kind of hope. I don't have any kind of hope at all. And so ask him. Say, God, your word. We just read these verses that, that you can fill me with hope, with joy and peace that I could overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit? We're going to take a moment here and, and, and allow you to pray and simply ask Him for that hope. You know, even as believers, even if you've been a believer for a long time, you know, we still get, we're still in the flesh. We still fight the fight. 
We're still, you know, fighting the fight of the flesh and the world around us, the, the enemy that's attacking us. And there are times, you know, when all of us, myself included, we, we get to a place where we just don't even know what hope is anymore. And we need to get refocused back upon our hope, Jesus Christ. <laughs> to know the hope, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. To know the hope to which he has called us. We need to pray. We need to ask him to fill us with his spirit for that hope. We quote those words in Jeremiah 29. I, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah says in the Lamentations of Jeremiah, he says, I... He says, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He began to focus his heart. He says, I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. He puts his mind back upon the Lord, that God is faithful, that his mercies are new every morning. His compassions never fail. He loves us so, so very much. When we get to that place where we're feeling it, we need to refocus. We need to get back on our knees before God and say, God, I, I, you know where I am. You know what I'm feeling. You know what I'm going through. But I call out to you for that hope. And then hold on to it. The writer of the Hebrews says in chapter 10, let us hold unswervingly. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. You've got to hold on to that hope. Sometimes we get weak and we let go, and it's like when you, you, know, you, you, you put your hands to the plow, he says, don't let go. Hold on. Hold on to the hope. Hold on to the hope. It's an anchor for our souls. Let's read those verses one more time as we close, back in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. I want to fix those words in your minds. Speaking about, in the context here, again, is speaking about the, the uh, faithfulness of God, that he's, that he's true, that his word is true, and what he says, he does. Verse 18, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, speaking about the temple and the, the inner sanctuary, the holy of holies behind the curtain, where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. You know, there are catacombs in Rome, and, I, and I've never been there. I'd like to go there and see them. But uh, reading about that, there are these tunnels that are underneath the ancient city of Rome, and many of the Christians were buried in the catacombs, right? You've heard of them, right? 
But down there, I'm, I, I've read that, you know, there, there were symbols. They put symbols of faith on their, on their tombs down there. And the th there were three symbols. The dove, right? The dove was one. The fish. And what's the third one? The anchor in the catacombs. People who had given their lives. The dove symbolizes what? The Holy Spirit. The fish symbolizes the Greek letters for fish or ichthus and stands for the words uh, Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior, I-X-O-Y-E in the Greek language. That's what it translates to. And the anchor, someone wrote these words, the anchor came from the idea that as Christians were going through difficult, insecure times, their hope anchored their souls. Sometimes we go through different things, but that's where when we hold on to that hope and the anchor that, that is, you know, on, on a boat, the, the analogy, the, the anchor that, that gets locked into the ground keeps us from being washed out to sea and destroyed. Hope. Our hope is in Him. That's confident expectation. That's not worldly hope. That's the hope of God. Do you have that hope today? I was going to say, I hope you do, but that, that doesn't work. My prayer is that you do. And if not, that you'd cry out to him right now for it. Let's pray together, shall we?